Uh, so you have an iPhone X or 10, right? What are we going to call it? We're going to call it the iPhone 10. 10. What, yeah. what are you calling it? Are you calling it? Does it, do you accidentally say X? I, I accidentally say X all the time. No, I didn't. I don't know why. It's because I see it. I see an X. I say an X. And I never had that problem with OS X. I don't know. I never called it OS X. It was always OS X. But I guess that's because I was counting and I knew that iOS or Mac OS 9 was before. But I keep catching myself. And I'm not. So if I say it, if I say iPhone X during the show, I'm not trying to be cute. I'm making a mistake that I wish I wasn't making. Understood. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have one, too. I do. I got mine yesterday in uh, New York. So long story short, we can talk about the meta story. But long story short, there were only, I think, nine reviewers around the world who got a full week with it. Three in the U.S. Matthew, friend of the show, Matthew Panzerino. uh, Yeah. Nicole Nguyen from BuzzFeed, who's been doing some really interesting work. I really like her style. Um, And Lance Ulanoff from Mashable. Uh, So they got like... I'll be honest, that one one surprises me. A little bit, but he's... Lance has been getting an awful lot of... uh, 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 exclusives, really. I mean, he he yeah. had an exclusive with the uh, Johnny Sarugi's team for the Bionic A11 chip. Uh, uh, he had one a couple of years ago. I think it was back around two, 2015 about the new MacBook. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Or he got yeah. some uh, on the record time with Schiller, and then there was a third one. I forget. I forget which the third one was. Yeah, he's been he's been doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, uh, two guys from the UK. Two guys in China, a guy in Japan, uh, somebody from Australia, but not the usual suspects, not the uh, the you know usual round of you know reviewers. Nobody from the Wall Street Journal, uh, nobody from the New York Times, uh, apparently nobody from TV. Although I guess they sent that kid to the Ellen Show. Did you see that kid at the event last last month? Uh, I did. I did not meet him. I did. Too. I did not meet him. But I'll tell you what, that kid really impresses me. Were we talking about this before? I was telling you that in addition to the fact that he's 12 years old and is a developer and is already a uh, successful TV personality on the Ellen DeGeneres show, he's also (laughs) a sharper dresser than I've ever been in my entire life. (laughs) Yeah. Like maybe when I got married, maybe there was like one or two times in my life where I I cleaned up sharp enough that I could compete with that kid. But I, I love that. I think yeah, that's yeah, well, it doesn't take much to dress me. I, I have black T-shirt and jeans, so, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm good no matter what. So anyway, I think people, uh, <laughs> I think people were a little surpri- surprised by Apple's new review strategy. I feel like what they've done is hit the, uh, hit the reset button. Like, and they've sort of used this opportunity with this device to completely r- reset the way that they're doing reviews. I agree. I agree. They have, and and that shows. It shows in the way that they uh, that they started rolling them out. You know, you had um, YouTubers. I met one yesterday when I was uh, getting my phone. Uh, you where'd you go? You went to Cupertino. Cupertino, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was a it was a whole different strategy for them this time, and it, it's interesting to see it all play out. You know. Because that's not something that we've seen from Apple before. I I think that where they were, I don't know how many people got like the iPhone eight. You know what? What? How many people are on the get get like a week with the last few iPhones? But that number has gotten got big. 
like I think it was up in the 30s. Like I don't know if that's worldwide or not, but uh, maybe just U.S. that there were 30 some reviewers of I don't know if iPhone 8, but at least like iPhone 7 last year. And I can't help but think that Apple took a look at that and thought, you know what, this is too many, and they're all doing the same things, and or they're d- doing goofy stuff, you know, like trying to set up Face ID with a dog or something like that. <laughs> and rather than, my sense is that rather than slowly scale that back, they, like like I said, hit the reset button, started over from scratch and said, let's, you know, have a handful of people come out uh, and let's expand it to, you know, new people like these, uh, the YouTube kids and, and whatever else. Well, yeah. And I guess we'll, we'll see how it all works. I mean, you know, like you were mentioning yesterday, some of the people that did the original iPhone review, uh, other than Stephen Levy, are, aren't even around. Right. You know, Walt's not around, but there are a couple that are. Ed Beg and I forget yeah, who else Pogue, you mentioned. David Pogue. It was Pogue. The, the, original, Pogue yeah. the original four with the original iPhone were Pogue when he was at the New York Times, Ed Beg at the USA Today. Walt was at uh, the Wall Street Journal at the time, and... Uh, Stephen Levy was at Newsweek at the time, and Levy was always sort of the exception, where it, it's like back then Apple's strategy was three biggest newspapers in the U.S. and, you know, probably around the world, whoever writes for the biggest newspaper, that's it. Um, and people laugh at USA Today, but USA Today is, is I think, the number one newspaper. I mean, you, you kind of can't uh, underestimate how many people read USA Today because it's, like it's like the free newspaper in all the hotels. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's huge. Uh, uh, I, d- I didn't see if if Ed posted something today, did he? I don't know. I don't think so. But if he did, he didn't get it till yesterday. So that's the question. The question was, like, the way that uh, that this used to work was, you know, and part part of it was that this phone is weird because there wasn't an event either. But you know, just as the background, people seem to forget the timing of this. But the background for the last few years of iPhones is that. Either the afternoon after the event or the day after the event, anybody who's going to get a review unit comes to meet with Apple. You get a meeting. They give you, you know, you know, tell you what they want you to know about the phone. Ask you if you have questions, which is an important part, right? It's. I find it so much better to ask questions in person than like over the phone. Uh, says the guy doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like you get better answers from Apple. Even if it's off the record, there's more comfort in a face-to-face meeting than recording or, or not recording, but just talking on a phone. Um, and typically there's an embargo date about a week out. So maybe if it's like a Tuesday event, the embargo date might be the next Tuesday in the morning. And that's when everybody's reviews, you know, you're not, you can't publish before that. And then your review is supposed to come out, you know, shortly thereafter. Um, And this time there was an embargo, but it was today at 6 a.m. Eastern. And I didn't even get the phone till noon yesterday. So, I mean, it's not even, you know, it would be 18 hours if I stayed up all night. Right. So I chose, I did not write a review. Uh, I, I, I posted like a, I linked to Panzerinos and gave some quick comments, like just like three or four bullet points of my f- first thought to the phone. But I, I can't see some of the sites that are doing reviews already. I just can't, I can't see how they do it. I just can't see how you can call it a review. Right. I, I did, uh, I posted something this morning, uh, but I made it very clear in the first paragraph and I called it a first look, not a review. Uh, I made it very clear that 
I, I, I felt myself that it would be irresponsible to call this a review when I've had it for less than a day. Uh, but there were some of the, the main features that I felt I could comment on. And, you know, those were uh, Face ID because I had been using that and, and all the gestures that you can use. So, you know, I did a first look and I, I said that I would come back in um, uh, you know, a week after I get a chance to to really use it yeah. and and follow up on some things, you know, yeah. I I felt for from my readers that was um, the responsible way to to take care of it, and I, I just I don't I don't feel that I could have given um, an accurate review without some more time, but. I can comment easily yeah. on on some of the some of the things. I mean, I never even got a chance to take a picture. I was so focused on on face uh, ID that and and you know trying to figure out all the different gestures that you have that um, I I never really got a chance to to use a whole lot else. And even in the in the time since I posted that at three a.m. Pacific time, I figured some things out with face ID. Yeah. Uh, face ID is amazing. It works over 99% of the time, but there's those few times when it wasn't working. And I think I might've figured out, uh, today using it. Why? Hmm. And I think my, my eyeglasses, uh, that I only wear for reading and for typing, they're bifocals. So I put them down on my nose a bit. I think it's blocking my eyes. I think the rim, because <laughs> they you have know, a big rim. I, I swear, think that's, what's that's so funny that you would say that, Jim. I swear to you that I ran into the exact same thing. I, I Sometimes I wear contacts, and then I have to wear reading glasses, and other times I wear my regular glasses, but then I have to t I, I lower them on my nose to look at something close up with no glasses. So either way, right. I've, I've got glasses on, glasses off all day. That's my, that's my lifestyle now. Um, and I had the same thing where I had my regular glasses down on my nose and face ID fits failed for like the first time today. And I was like, what? Because it was like so surprising. Like yesterday it was a little, you know, like kind of, I think it, it, it just had to get used to it. And I think it, you know, it continues to train as you use it throughout the day. But then like today it was like, it's just every single time, don't even think about it. And then when it failed, it was like uh, a tire screeching, you know, like, whoa, what the heck happened? But it's so funny. It was glasses down on the nose. Yeah. So I I think a couple of things were happening with me uh, because I have attention aware on, which means that you have to be looking at yeah. your phone in order for it to unlock. So I would pull up the phone and I believe that I was looking without really knowing it. I was looking at the computer while I put my phone up or I was looking at the bottom of the phone or something. Something was going on. Where I wasn't actually looking at um, the camera, and 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 I wasn't aware, so the phone did the exact right thing and did not unlock. Right. So I, it's either that or the rim of my glasses is blocking my eyes and I can't see my eyes. And you know the angle that you hold the phone up and the angle that you're looking, uh, because typically when I put my phone up to unlock it with Face ID, I'm kind of looking down a bit. Mm -hmm. So if the glasses are right on the you know the end of my nose, then it's going to block it. Yeah. So I I think it's one of those two things because when I deliberately 
pick the phone up and look at it, it unlocks every single time, even when I do it quickly. Hmm. So hmm. that's what I think. Uh, can we just talk for a second about the, the, the that they gave a phone to Mike Allen? <laughs> <laughs> This to me, this to me is part of the, the befuddlement over their review strategy. Is now Mike Allen is now the founder of Axios, a new website uh, where uh, Ina Fried is their tech writer, and she it even said we'll have a, their official review coming soon. Presumably, she didn't get one until yesterday, um, with all the rest of us. But Mike Allen did, who is not a technology writer. And that's okay. I actually think that's kind of interesting. Like, I don't think you need to have like a special, I'm a technology columnist badge or license to be able to do a review of an iPhone because iPhones are for everybody, right? Like it's part of the fabric of modern life today. So I think that the perspective of somebody who is not an expert and is sort of like a, a political reporter, presumably who I'll bet uses his phone all day, uh, you know, talking to sources, texting, you know, phone calls, texting messages, stuff like that. Email, I'm sure. It's a great perspective. But he 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 didn't even try to write a review. He just he gave the he literally gave the phone to his 19 year old nephew and l let him tell him what he thought about it. Like he didn't even write it. I don't I I don't get that. Like I didn't it, even know you could do that. Well, I, uh, I thought. <laughs> Apple wanted you to do the review. <laughs> I was I was at Apple yesterday when when that happened, and I can tell you, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> the language in the NDA is pretty clear. You know, it, it's an NDA, and it's written by lawyers, but it's pretty clear. I think it says something to the effect of you're allowed to, you know, like your immediate family can look at it and see it. Um but nobody else and you're not allowed to let other people touch it literally. I mean, that's, I mean, I, you know, does everybody stick to that rule? I mean, I, I don't think so, but at least officially, you know, you're not supposed to. So putting it in your review that you let your nephew set it up, set it up. <laughs> well, and that to me is part of the thing is it's like, that's the perspective you'd want from a normal person, right? Like, is it hard to set right. up, you know, because normal people have to set up their own iPhones. And, and to me, part of what makes face ID so interesting was it was incredibly easy to set up. It was so much quicker than touch ID to set up. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, a couple of the reviewers have like some screenshots of the process, but basically it's like a two-step process to set up Face ID. You the front camera turns on, and you can see yourself, and it says, you know, move move your head around in a circle. I mean, more or less like uh, I think Panzerino said Apple described it as just draw a circle in the air with your nose. Right. Because it's not taking your photograph. It's not a camera. You know, I guess it's using a camera, but the 3D aspect of it is it's not just like the Samsung phones where you can fool it with a photograph, right? It really is like the moving your face around in a circle is to let it get that 3D map of your face, not just a two-dimensional picture, but a, th a literal, a real 3D map. No, no marketing spin on the name of this. You know, it really is a 3D map. And then it says, okay, and then it says, do it again, and you do it again, and then you're in, and that's it. It's so much faster than Touch ID just to set up. Boom, you're done. You're, it's over. I, there, there's no, you know, with, with Touch ID, you had to, uh, you set it up, but then you had to move your finger a different way. And I understand why, and it's, yeah. it's fine. But it's interesting when you look at what Apple is doing, they're actually, it's not just um, a, a picture of your face. They're using depth 
on your face mm-hmm. to activate Face ID. So, you know, you can't you can't fool it. And I know that people are, are trying, but I'm pretty confident that you're not going to be able to fool it. Yeah, and I, I realize that Apple is in a weird situation here where they can't make these phones fast enough. I mean, I don't know what how far out they're pre-ordered already, but last I looked, it was four to six weeks or something. Uh, so it's not like a, a lack of reviews today or this week is going to hurt the number of iPhones they can sell. They're going to sell every one they can make. Um, but people are curious about it. And the number one thing people are curious about is Face ID because they love Touch ID. People people have grown to love it and they're familiar with it and they trust it. And Face ID is new and different. And every other phone that's tried to do this before has failed. People want to know. And so I feel like not having as many reviews as usual where people can say, look, I've been using this thing all week. Here's my thoughts on Face ID. It it just is unsatisfying. Again, and I, yeah. I, you can argue, you can say, well, maybe I'm just being selfish. And I've, you know, the last couple of years, I've had review units for a week and I'm jealous or bitter or whatever. I mean, if that's what you think, I mean, I can't disabase you of the notion, but... Uh, but that's not really it. It's, it, it, you know, leave me out of it. Even if I didn't get one, I still, I want to know what Joanna Stern thinks of it after a week, right? I want to know what Neelai Patel thinks of it after a week. You know, I want to know what Jason Snell thinks about the iPhone after a week. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's so weird. And I think people are just unsatisfied. I mean, so like our day one reaction, we can sit here and say, Hey, this is really good for day one, but it's, you know, it's day one. The, the thought on the internet is that you're, you didn't get one at all, which is not true. Right. You did get one. Uh, and, and then they think that you're complaining um, because you didn't get one early enough. That's what Twitter seems to be. Yeah, but saying. you know what, though? I And that's why, this is why people don't complain about, you know, like, privately, I got, uh, after I posted a few things last night about, oh, thank God Apple seated these YouTubers. Or, yes. Or the one that was really good was the thank God Mike Allen got one so that his 19-year-old nephew, the emoji expert, can uh, tell us what he thinks about it. And the reason other people don't tweet stuff like that is because they don't want to deal with the blowback from the people who are saying that I'm bitter or whatever. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I don't, I think it's, I think it's, a, I don't think this was a good review strategy for Apple. And again, not selfishly. I just don't, I just think it's unsatisfying. I think that I, I, I ignore me, ignore what people are saying about what I <laughs> vlogged last night, but I just look on Twitter and I see people who have tons of questions and just people like the type of people who listen to the show and who read our websites, like they have tons of questions and they're not answered and they would be if there were a wider range of reviews. And I totally get the idea that Apple wants to expand the media that they're reaching and that YouTube is where young people go to get their news and to read, you know, to reviews like reviews that aren't on YouTube. Don't reach young people. Like that's all my kid watches. Uh, like he's super into video games. What would you have done differently? I would have, I would have, I would have, done the expansion to YouTube, invite them in for the hands-on last week, do the same thing. Although I think, honestly, I think they could have picked better YouTubers. Uh, I don't even think they picked the best YouTubers. Uh, uh, like MKBHD only got his yesterday. I would, why, why he, should, he should have the phone for a week. Why, why not? I, I can't, 
I, I can't see why you wouldn't want, why wouldn't you want him to have a, the phone for a week when the reviews drop? Um, so I would have done it just as a, an expansion, you know, yes, add these YouTubers. And sure, if you want to call the list of reviewers, you could call it, but I'd have certainly have had more than three in the United States. That's, that's an interesting number for the, for the entire U.S. But, you know, they, they had a strategy going into it. So um, I, I, I think it's important that people know that you did get one. Yeah. That even though you didn't post a, a review, I mean, I had people uh, even tweeting me today and said, uh, you know, that you were upset that you didn't get one. And I didn't want to say because it's not my place. Well, he did get one. <laughs> you know, it, it's not that he didn't. He has one. So, anyway. I actually posted, uh, just I, before we started recording, I actually posted my review roundup where I said that I got one yesterday and my four bullet points, you know, and, and then I linked to some uh, excerpts from Panzerino's and Nagoon's reviews. So, as we speak, people know that I have one. But I wasn't going to wake up at six in the morning just to write, a, I got an iPhone yesterday and it's okay so far. Publish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well. But yeah, so will will you post a review? Oh, definitely. Uh, I don't yeah. who knows when. <laughs> now, <laughs> the way I write, it might be December, but uh, no, definitely. I think it's way too interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to post a follow up to uh, to the points. I mean, if you look at at what I wrote yesterday, most of it is on Face ID, just because yeah. I I was it so over, fascinated. It overwhelms. With Face ID. It overwhelms the the initial like the the to me the two things that overwhelm the initial t few hours with the device are face id and the lack of a home button and we could do a yes. whole segment on that and we will um but let me take a break here let me take a break and thank our first sponsor our good friends at squarespace make your next move make your next website and when you do do it with squarespace i keep telling you guys squarespace is easy to use. It is so easy to use. It is drag and drop. You choose templates. You drag the elements that you want out for your website. Uh, but, and I know my audience, if you are a nerd, like you can have it both ways where if you want to dig in and like put your own JavaScript code in there, if you want to hand edit the CSS, you can do stuff like that. Um, but it's just a powerful, powerful platform. And they literally let you, they do handle everything from domain name registration to the actual hosting where you don't have to log in with SSH and manage a Linux server or anything like that. It's all handled, all fast, all reliable. They have 24-hour tech support. If you do need help with something, you can get a real person on the phone 24 hours a day. It's just a fantastic service. And I was just talking to Squarespace this week about... Uh, what they want to do in the fourth quarter, you know, and, and they were even saying that they're still getting, you think like, well, why in the world is Squarespace still sponsoring the talk show? I mean, we all know that. I mean, they sponsored, they've been sponsoring it for years. They're on all the time. Uh, but they, they, they get a tremendous response from, from the audience. I, they really, they are like this, you know, they know how often <laughs> they sponsor my stuff and they also know how many people use the, uh, the code and it's apparently a lot. So, uh, I must be doing something right telling you about Squarespace. I'm telling you right now, next time you need a website, it's where you should go first. Spend an hour on it at Squarespace. And if you're not uh, halfway done or, or even fully done, uh, you know, maybe then try something else. But if you don't try Squarespace first, you're just making busy work for yourself. Um, so just go to squarespace.com, start making your website. And then all you have to remember, there's no special code for the URL. Just remember the talk show 
or not, not the talk show, just talk show, no the, no the, just talk show. Use that code when you sign up to pay and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. And you can pay for a whole year in advance, save 10%. It's like getting, uh, I don't know, it's like getting more than a month for free. So there you go. My thanks to Squarespace. So the lack of a home button, that's the, to me is the next dominating aspect of, of this phone. Uh, and I'll just add in as a side note, uh, and as a very noted <laughs> critic of the notch, uh, I, I don't notice the notch. <laughs> I really don't. I, I still don't like it, but I have to say, in use, exactly as told to me by you know Apple product marketing people, uh, you, you you stop noticing it. It's like your your eyes just don't go to the top that often. Well, and that's what I found, and that's what I wrote yesterday. I wanted to get the notch thing out of the way. Uh, it was the first thing that I talked about. And I said, I, I look at the screen. I look at the, the content of what I'm, yeah. what I'm trying to do there. And the notch is not part of that. It's not like the notch is sitting right in the middle of the screen where you're cursing at it nope. every time you look I, at I, it. I, I only think about it when I, when, I, when I want to think about it. And I think, hey, you know what? I haven't really looked at that notch in a while. And I stare at it and think, I still think it looks stupid. Uh, <laughs> You're but, not supposed to do that, John. But it doesn't just pop into my head nonstop like the lack of a home button does. The home button thing is just over and over and over again. Maybe like one day in, what am I at here? I'm at about uh, 28 hours into using this phone. I, I, I believe it. Panzerino said it takes about three or four days and then you, it just clicks. And then by like his sixth day, when he went back to his iPhone 8, he was swiping up instead of pressing the home button. Uh, yeah. You know that your your habits reverse, but ten years ten years of home button habits is is it's hard to break. It really is. Well, and I think a part of of doing these reviews and looking at this, I I think that we're hyper aware mm -hmm. of a lot of these different things, and I was so hyper aware of it that after a couple of hours yesterday, when I would pick up the phone, um. I was trying to pick up the phone and swipe at the same time, you know, because that's the way that I've seen uh, people at Apple do it. And it's so quick. And yes, that does work. So I was so aware of trying to do that, that I wasn't looking for the home button after a couple of hours. Um, so that, that made a big difference for me. Uh in practice, and, you know, some of this stuff, it's like, I think everybody is, I, I, from the reviews I've read, it just seems like everybody's consensus is the same, is that in practice, the key to understanding Face ID is that it doesn't feel like a step. It doesn't feel like one of the steps to unlocking your phone is engaging Touch ID. You just stare at your phone, you swipe up from the bottom, and you're at home screen or back where you were, whatever, you know, wherever you were before the phone was locked. It's exactly, it feels exactly like not having a passcode period. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think yeah, back, if you, if you do it that way, that's, that's exactly what it feels like. And I think back to the, like, I, you know, I, I don't want to make too big a deal out of the 10th anniversary thing. And I really don't think that that's, I think that was a goal, but it's not like Apple could have shipped this phone a year ago and held it. And it's not like if it had been ready a year ago, they wouldn't have shipped it. 
right? They weren't going to just wait a year so that they could have it on the 10th anniversary year. I mean, nobody cares. Uh, but you can't help but think back, you know, 10 is a nice round number because of the number, and at least in our you know system. Um, I think back to the original iPhone and, and when it was unveiled on stage at Macworld and it, it really was, it sounds silly, but one of the biggest features was slide to unlock, right? Because it, it emphasized everything about the phone. It was the touch screen, you know, and that the whole, you know, the whole thing is a screen. It's just a touch screen, but how do you keep it from, uh, you know, making pocket calls when it's in your purse or your pocket or whatever. Well, it's locked. And then how do you unlock it? There's a big button and it says slide to unlock and you slide it across the screen and you're unlocked and you're in. And when Jobs did it, everybody like oohed and awed because it was looked <laughs> right. It looked cool. And it also looked like super brain dead easy. Like nobody even needs to be told how to do it. It actually told you right there in the interface yeah. in, in the little yeah, channel true. that the slider went on, it said slide to unlock. Uh, and it even had like that beautiful animation, like a, a glossy, like highlight that went in the direction you were supposed to slide the thing to unlock. But if you think about it, it was like, we were so uh, collectively, it's only 10 years ago, but collectively we as a society were so naive about device security that I mean, I don't think I locked my first iPhone I don't, with a passcode, right? It was, you know, yeah. slide to unlock was the way you were supposed to unlock it. You weren't supposed to slide to unlock and then type in a code. Uh, like, that, imagine if that's what would have happened on stage. That's what I'm trying to get at. Like, if, you know, right. it's like, look at how beautiful this is. You slide to unlock it, and then all of a sudden you're typing in, you know, 1111 on stage. Like, it would have ruined the effect. It's like Face ID has brought us back to that. Where now you just have, you just slide, you slide up instead of over, but you just slide on the lock screen and you're in. You, you I, know what surprised me the most about this? Over, overall, everything is the size of the iPhone 10. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that shock you? It does. The, uh, iPhone 10, the iPhone 10 is more the size of the iPhone 8 than the 8 Plus. In person, I, like I've got them right on top of each other right now. It's very, very, it's much closer in size than the numbers alone would, would make you think. Right. And it's literally, I, I, it's literally the size. I have, I have my year old Pixel Google, you know, the old Google Pixel here, but I have the small one, not the XL one. It's almost exactly the same size. And that's a phone that I always thought was only very slightly bigger than an iPhone. In in my pocket, like yesterday in New York, when I first got the the iPhone 10, I couldn't complete the setup because I needed Wi-Fi. So I was going to wait till you know take the Amtrak home and then uh, do an iCloud backup once I got home. Um, but I had it set up as like a new device so I could use it, you know, start using it right away. But I had my regular personal iPhone in my other pocket, and I actually was getting confused, like taking it out of my pocket. I was like, oh, I thought that I had the new one in this pocket. And it was the new one. It just felt like my old one in hand. Yeah, well, I've been using um, the Plus version. So the Plus in your pocket, you can feel it. Mm. It feels big, you know. But the 8 feels normal in your pocket. The 10 feels normal in your pocket. But when you fire up the screen and you see that, it's just that the the 10 is just all screen. 
So I really like it. Now I'm I'm as we're talking here, I'm lifting my phone up and locking it over and over again just to see if it'll if it'll fail. And it doesn't. It won't. It won't fail. It opens every time. I'm gonna put my glasses on. I'm doing the same thing. Uh, there's a really neat thing, and, and it sounded like a gimmick. Aha. What happened? It ju- it just failed. Do you have your glasses I down? Put, in your nose? I, I put my glasses on and put them at the edge of my nose, and I I purposely there you go. Did that sound perfect. You know what? I didn't even try yet, and uh, but, it was too late in the day. It just and mm-hmm. it just goes to show, like how how what folly it is to think that you can write a full review in 18 hours or whatever. Is I didn't even try it with sunglasses. Uh, and then by the time I no, thought of it, it was right before we were going to start recording. I'll tell you what, my sunglasses, at least in my office, I'm not outdoors. I don't know if it makes a difference if you're actually indoors or outdoors. But in my office, it won't unlock when I have my sunglasses on. Hmm. So I don't know if I – I mean, and I just have uh, regular Ray-Bans. I don't have like any kind of – they're not like mirrored lenses. They're not polarized lenses. They're just the regular Ray-Ban sunglass lenses. But it, it did not work for me. I tried to, uh, uh, just for fun today, I turned my phone, I, I set it down on the table and turned it upside down and tried to do my face mm. ID upside down and it wouldn't open. Mm. But when I set it down on the table and did it right side up, it did. Uh, I don't know if that's a thing or not. I thought it was interesting how many of the reviewers, even with the small number of reviewers that there were, already found twins to test it with. Uh Yeah. I, I know Lance found twins and uh, Nicole found twins too. I think Panzerino was the only one who didn't have have a set of twins. But but in both cases, the twins were able to unlock it. I don't think that's that big a deal. I mean, I, it's easy for me to say because I don't, I don't have so. a twin brother. <laughs> yeah. But I think most people I know who do have a a twin sibling trust them pretty well. I mean, it's not, well, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's not bad enough. It's, it's not a problem if, if you trust your twin. I mean, probably, they probably know your p- pin code anyway. Right. Now, if you, I, if, I mean, if, if that's a big problem for you, then you need to use a passcode instead of face ID. Right. I mean, I guess it could be a problem for like teenagers, you know, maybe like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe teenagers are more likely to want to get into their sibling's phone and screw around with it. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, and there's nothing that um, Face ID can do about that. Right. You know, it's it's mapping the face and mapping the depth and doing everything that it should do. Uh, but if you have a twin, well, you know, not much we can do about that. <laughs> Luckily, you and I, neither one of us have twins, so. Uh, I'm trying to think what else here. Um, what about the gestures? Like, which ones? Uh, I I think that Apple, okay, there's two things here that I think Apple did a really good job with. One is um, moving touch ID apps automatically over to face ID. So when I open my banking apps, it says, do you want to activate touch ID? And I said, okay, this is going to be interesting because I don't have touch ID on this phone. So yes, I do want to activate touch ID and then face ID automatically activated for it. Yeah. So 
Apple automatically, you know, move that over for the developers until they get a chance to update their apps. Uh, one password, when I opened it up, it said, do you want to do um, Touch ID? I said yes. And it came up with a message that I, I actually posted in the review and said, this app is not set up for Face ID. It's set up for Touch ID. Would you like to use Face ID? And I said yes. Uh, so either one of those two things is fine with me. I, I was just happy to see that, you know, for my banking stuff and for uh, app setup, for using one password, I could use Face ID automatically out of the box. Yeah. You know, they, I don't have to sit and wait. Remember when uh, we have to wait for developers to update their apps to take advantage of some of these new features. And this time we don't. So yeah. I think they did a really good job with that. It's, it, it's, one, of those, also, it's one of those features where it's clear and Apple does not like to talk about timelines. Um, I know from talking to Panzerino, there was a question, you know, that the, the that group of journalists who got the reviews a week in advance, they all met with Apple executives together last week. Um, you know, like sort of like a sort of like that Mac roundtable that I was at earlier in the year. Um, mm -hmm. And there was a question about face how long Face ID was in development, and they were like going to answer, and then somebody somebody cut it off. It's like, no, we're not, we're not going to talk about timelines. Apple does not like to talk about how long stuff was in the works. But it's very, very obvious to me that Face ID was in the works as at least as long as Touch ID. Because everything surrounding Touch ID's APIs is is not touch specific or fingerprint specific. It's, you know, like the name of the kit is, I think, biometric kit. Like yeah. they, they've had ideas and who knows, they might have other ideas too, in addition to face ID, right? But it's, they've been thinking about biometrics uh, collectively rather than fingerprints specifically, obviously from the get-go. And the fact that, like you said, the apps just work uh, is proof of it because they're just making the, it's it, effectively the app just says, okay, if, if you permit it, um, you know, give me a biometric, authentication and the dialogue box they show might say touch id but that's because the developer was making an assumption that they shouldn't have made that's just what they typed but the api they call is just saying give me a biometric authentication and when you use it on the iphone 10 it just just works so my amex yeah. app is exactly like that so that's one of those apps that i get you know it makes sense i guess with something financial where even when you restore from iCloud it doesn't remember your credentials like I had to, right. like, that's one of those apps where it, uh, I had to re-authenticate. And when I did, it, it, it literally said, do you, it, it, same thing that you're talking about, where it was like, do you want to set up touch ID? And I, I, and it even said like, I think the OS gave me a warning that said, this app has not been updated for face ID. Do you, do you want to go ahead? And I said, yes. And again, like you said, it just works. Yeah. I, I was, I was very, very glad to see that because that, that makes the experience uh, just seamless for the user. Okay, the app hasn't been updated yet, but Apple doesn't care because we have another security methods that's even more secure than Touch ID. Yeah. So, one of the, one of the uh, things I've been thinking about ever since iOS 11 shipped, and I guess iOS 10 was similar too, but I think Apple's been thinking about this for a while, is that when you're on your lock screen and you've got a couple of notifications, one of the things that's annoyed me ever since, like for the last six weeks, ever since I started imagining using Face ID is that when you tap on one of those notifications, like let's say here's, a, here's an iMessage from you, and I tap that message. Uh, with Touch ID, I would then have to move my thumb from where I tap, 
tap to touch touch the notification down to the bottom to do my fingerprint. Whereas now I just touch the notification and boom, it just opens the notification, you know, it just opens messages. Right. Like I, I really do think even just one day in face ID, I'm sold. It is better than touch ID. And, yes. you know, and I, I this agree. is just the first generation. Well, and Panzerino made an interesting point that he, you remember when we moved from Touch ID Gen 1 to Gen 2? I mean, Gen 2 was so fast that yeah. before you used to be able to touch the home button and, and yes. just take a look at your notifications. That's right. Gen right. 2, you touch the button and you were already unlocked, you know? Right, right. So he said um, that he would be happy if it was somewhere in between Gen 1 and Gen 2. And that's basically where he felt that it landed. And I, I, I would, I'd say that's fair. Um, but it's certainly not slow right. at all. It's not as slow as Gen 1 uh, Touch ID was. Face ID is a lot faster than that. And I think it's, in a lot of ways, it's a lot more convenient. Because when, as soon as you pick the phone up, even if you're going to use Touch ID, you would pick the phone up and, you know, as you're raising it, maybe put your thumb on it to unlock. Well, the same thing is kind of happening. You put your thumb down there and you're swiping up. And as your phone lifts, it's unlocked. Mm. You know, so um, I I don't have any any problems with the speed. But you have to think that it's only going to get better. It's not right. going to get worse. Right. So uh, the other thing that, that I was really impressed with is the amount of gestures that, I mean, there's a lot of gestures that we had with um, the iPhone for, for years, but if you're, if you're scrolling through your pages of apps and you want to go back to the very first screen, you just swipe up and it'll zoom you back to the first screen, you know? That to me is kind of cool. They they were thinking about that. They know that people before hmm. you used to just hit the home button, right? And it would zoom you back. Well, now you just swipe up on whatever screen you're on, and it'll flick you back to the first one. Yeah, that swipe up kind of is the new home button, it, even in yeah. in areas like that. I hadn't noticed that, but now that you say it, it does work. That's pretty. Yeah, cool. that one. Uh, I I don't know why, but I end up using that one. Uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, and then you, you swipe down from the right side, you get the control center. You swipe down from the left side, you get your notifications. So, so what, one of the things that's interesting to me about control center is that you don't have to swipe far. Like it, it yes. it's, it's like, you know how, like when you do notification center, it pulls down as you pull. Right, like if you pull down one inch, you only see one inch of notification center. If you pull down two inches, you see two inches. It's one to one with your finger, and I think the idea there is that you might just want to peek at the bottom one and then let go. But with Control Center, it doesn't do that, which is what I expected it to do. Instead, you just sort of swipe down about a quarter inch, and the whole Control Center is there. And I, I the reason I think that that's a good idea is that you don't. It, it makes it a lot easier to open control center than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, uh, I don't know why, but I never used control center a whole lot until recently. And I, I, I really, I can't figure out why, because there's a lot of good stuff in there, yeah. you know, that, that you can use, but I would mostly use control center to turn on the flashlight. Yep. <laughs> that, was, that was it. 
You know, that was control center for me, the flashlight. I could take everything else out of there and just put a big flashlight button. But now I am using control center a bit more. It's um, it's interesting to me how many little things have changed only for the iPhone 10 and not for the iPhone 8. Um, for example, when you're on the lock screen and you want to jump to the camera just without even unlocking the phone, uh, on the iPhone 8 and iPhone 7 and iPhone 6 and 6S and every other phone running iOS 11, when you're on the lock screen, you swipe from the right to the left and the camera slides into view. Uh, And you could still do that if you want. But they also added this little camera button at the corner that you can just sort of give a force press to and it clicks. Like it, it gives you some haptic feedback and you jump right in. And I kind of, I yeah. like that because I feel like that swipe gesture is often hard to make one-handed. Yeah. Uh, and I love the haptic feedback of knowing, okay, I'm in. So it, like, if you're, yeah. al- if you're not even looking at the phone, you already know that the camera's on because you get that little bit of haptic feedback. But it's and, so and interesting. It's the same with the flashlight button. Right. It's so interesting to me, though, that that's only on the 10 and none of the other iPhones. Like, I'm not quite sure why that is. Yeah, and the flashlight's the exact same way where you, you don't have to swipe or anything. You can just give it like a force tap and it clicks. Yeah. Very nice click. Oh, I, before I forget, I don't want to forget. Another little feature. This is obviously not like a flagship, wow, we could talk about it forever. But I really, really like it one day in is the fact that you can wake the phone just by tapping the screen. Yes. A- anywhere. Yes. I, I that that might be the one aspect of the iPhone 10 that I'm already so used to that I could never go back. Even after t- 10 years of never being able to wake my phone with a tap on the screen, now that I can wake my phone with a tap on the screen, I I feel like we were living like animals. <laughs> Did you notice this though that if you have notifications on the screen and you you tap the screen and and there, there's mail message all, it'll say the name and it'll just say mail message. It won't give yep. you the detail of what the message is until you lift it up and it will unlock. Right. And then and then it will fill in uh, the preview of what the messages are. Well, and it's but not while it's it's not while it's locked. It won't. It's not unlocking. It's it's like the, the you know what I mean. Like it's not taking you away from the lock screen. It's just. No. It's just it's saying, authenticating, right? It's authenticating, and they do show it with a lock, but the you know the lock animates and it swings open. But all it means is, right. okay, I know it's you. Yeah, and then it will. And as soon as you do that, all of the messages, notifications, will fill out with their preview. Yeah, and then you can swipe up to unlock if you want, or you can just put it back down. Apparently, that was a feature before. I did not know that. I never turned that on. So you can do that with a Touch ID iPhone. Uh, but I feel like it's such a natural fit for Face ID and 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 the uh, what what do they call the feature word uh, the attention awareness the attention awareness the feature. attention awareness yeah do you have that turned on yeah I do I, at least it, I think it's on by default right I didn't turn it off it 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 is on by default yeah uh, I went in and looked because when I was you know trying to figure out you know those couple times when Face ID wouldn't work I thought it was my attention. Um, it it does work too that when <laughs> when my alarm went off at like you know quarter after two this morning to to get up and post this uh, uh, this first look the alarm was was ringing 
And I got up and looked at the phone and the volume dimmed. Hmm. Because it knew that it had my attention. I was looking at the phone, the volume dimmed down. So even even though I was uh you know tired as hell, I wanted to try that. So I, I actually picked up the phone and looked at it to see if it would work. And it did. The the volume dimmed down. And one of the other things that it'll do is it will not dim the screen if you're viewing like a web page because it knows that you it has your attention. Yep. So, you know, that, that kind of stuff is is useful. You know, you often see the phone dim the, the screen. You have to tap it to to bring it back again. But if it knows that you're looking at it, it won't. It's just one more step towards making little helpful C-3PO-style robots, right? <laughs> right? I mean, that's obviously uh, yeah. where technology is going. I mean, I've talked about this before, but it's like, why shouldn't your phone know who you are? Like, I can recognize a person. Why can't a computer? Computers are very good at pattern matching, you know? it's yeah. it, it, You wouldn't tolerate having a an employee who couldn't recognize you, like... <laughs> <laughs> right like so why do why do none yeah. of our devices recognize this why can't why can't my tv know that uh when i turn the tv on nine times out of ten i want the apple tv as the input and with my wife nine times out of ten she wants the tivo so like the tv should know who we are and if it sees that amy is watching tv by herself as soon as she turns the tv on it should switch to the tivo it doesn't. Well, and it, <laughs> it doesn't, but it, it should. As, it, as soon as she walks into the room, regardless of what you're doing, it should switch to TiVo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's pretty much what happens. Frankly. <laughs> uh, what about reachability? Do you have reachability on? I didn't even realize I, there was some speculation that they had gotten rid of it like the old shortcut for reachability this is the feature that like moves the screen halfway down so that you can one-handed you can reach the stuff at the top of the screen the old shortcut was like i think it was a double touch of the home button double touch not a not a double tap or double click it was just just touch the touch id sensor twice and and it would jump down so the new one is if you turn it's off by default if you turn it on you go to that little home button indicator what are we calling that thing do you know the 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 horizontal line at the bottom of the screen i don't, I don't is know there a name for that thing uh, i don't know i don't think so i'll call it the home button or the home okay. home dash <laughs> home dash <laughs> uh so instead of swiping up on that thing which is how you unlock the phone you swipe down on it and you don't have much room, so it's like a little short downswipe, and it turns on reachability. I don't, I don't like it, but I never liked reachability. Period. Well, one thing that I I find with uh, reachability was for people using the uh, the plus versions of the phone, not so much for uh, the non plus versions. Right. To me, the iPhone 10 is more of a non plus version. It's just that the screen is big. Yeah. I, you know, now, so physically, it's not, it doesn't feel as big as a plus phone, but the screen is actually bigger. I think, the, do you so, think they're going to do a plus size of this phone? I think they're, I think next year they're going to do a plus size. I think that they'll have a second one that's like 6.8 inches or something. That wow. Don't you? I feel like, because I feel like I, some yeah. people love the plus. And, you know, this phone doesn't do like the, um, the two panel layouts for things like mail or messages, you know how like on a plus phone, when you rotate the phone sideways, you get like a sort of a mini iPad layout where you have two columns, you know, mailboxes and messages. This phone doesn't do that. And I feel like some people love that. 
I, I, I really and I, I really do think there's room for it because this phone doesn't feel big at all. No, you're right. It doesn't. I I, I never notice that. I, I never look at my mail or. or I never do anything in landscape. Like the only thing I ever do in landscape is is watch videos or look at pictures or whatever. Yeah, I I I don't think people do much in landscape to be honest. Yeah. But watch movies or or something like that. I I I do watch video in in landscape, but that's about it. Yeah. I I I never even knew that wasn't there in this one. Never mm. even thought to look cuz I don't use it. All right, let me take a break here and thank our next sponsor. It's our good friends at Fracture. Fracture is the photo decor company that is out to rescue your favorite images from the digital ether. You take your photos, you send them to Fracture at their website. They print your photos directly onto glass. You pick the size. They have all sorts of sizes, big ones, small ones, square ones, anything you can imagine. Uh, Then they ship them to you, and the container, the the cardboard thing they ship it to you in is, in fact, the backing that you could use to hang it on the wall. So it's all ready to go. It is, it's a very, A, the print quality is amazing. These are absolutely fantastic prints. Um, they're also good for printing things like, uh, like logos or app icons or something like that. Uh, Marco Arment has famously made a fracture of every one of his apps and has it hanging in his office. Uh, uh, I was just visiting with a longtime friend of the show, Dave Wiskus, in his office in New York, and he represents a bunch of podcasts and YouTube shows and stuff like that. And he's got a fracture printed out for every one of the shows, uh, and it looks great on the wall. just looks fantastic. It looks very, very cool. Uh, there's all sorts of clever things you could do with a fracture other than just print photos of your kids and dogs and stuff like that. Um, Anything you think you might want to print, you should think about getting printed at Fracture. But anyway, here's what I want to tell you. As we record, we're we're recording on Halloween, October 31st. We're going to try to get this show out tonight. Uh, I don't know when you're listening to it. You might be listening to it tonight on Halloween. Happy Halloween. You might be listening next week, early November. Maybe you're you're behind a few episodes. Maybe you're going to listen in mid-November. But when you hear my voice... It's going to be either November or very close to November, and that means we're getting close to the holidays. These things are fantastic gifts, but they get backed up. Like I think once the early December rolls around, it might be too late. I'm a procrastinator. I buy stuff at the last minute. You can't wait till the last minute to buy a fracture. So if you're listening to me and you're thinking about buying uh, some friends and families uh, some fracture prints, take a moment right now. Pause the podcast. Hit pause. Go order them right now or make yourself a to-do or whatever you do to remind yourself to do things. Every Fracture comes with a 60-day happiness guarantee. You'll be sure to love your order. They truly are amazing gifts. And every one of them is made right in Gainesville, Florida from U.S. source materials in a carbon-neutral factory. So where do you go to find out more from this wonderful company? Go to FractureMe.com slash podcast. That website is FractureMe.com dot com slash podcast uh no special code for the show not nice my they just they just want slash podcast but then when you do place an order they will ask you a one question survey which is where did you hear about fracture and you can tell them you heard about it on the talk show with your pal john gruber and uh, jim dalrymple um what else i got a couple other things to talk about do it um I think everybody, as far as I've seen, I mean, I haven't done like an exhaustive survey, but it seems to me that everybody who got one of these review units uh, either a week ago or yesterday, the big group of us that got them yesterday, everybody got the silver one. I don't, I haven't seen anybody post a picture of the space black. 
No, I got a silver. Yeah, yeah. everybody I know got silver. Uh, uh, Renee was with me yesterday in New York. He got silver. I got silver. Uh, I kind of see why. I personally ordered last Friday night. Did you order last Friday night, by the way? I did not. I did. I ordered one Friday night. Uh, actually, I ordered two. I got one for me and one for Amy. Um, we could talk about that in a moment. But uh, I got the space black. I always buy black. It's just it, whatever's the blackest black that I can get is what I get. Last year was the only time I had a dilemma because the bastards made me choose between two blacks. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I got jet. I'm glad I got the the jet black because I feel like it's and it's exactly what I thought when I ordered it. Is I kind of think I I think that the last year's iPhone Seven flat black or whatever they matte black whatever they called it to me looked better. It looked more like sort of. Uh, like a classic piece of camera equipment, like a, a, a tool. Uh, but that grippiness of this jet black finish, it, it exactly feels like the glass that they've gone to across the line this year. And it really, really helps holding the phone, like when you're, you know, in warm weather, or wet hands or something like that. Yeah. I think the silver kind of pops. I, I, I personally, my own taste is leans towards the more muted look of the space gray. But I feel like this silver really pops because the, in a way that it, it's just like almost impossible to photograph the way that this the stainless steel sides are so shiny. It's like it's just such a hard thing to photograph the the shine of like a high gloss stainless steel. Yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Remember when we first talked about um, the, the the phone colors? I thought this one almost looked white. Yeah, you know it kind of to me. I'm looking at it now. To me, it kind of does, but it has that silver band, and I I like both of them. I you know yeah. I saw both yesterday. I didn't know which one I was getting until right. uh, I got home and unpacked it. And it it honestly it didn't really matter to me. Um. I I really do like both. I kind of wish that the space black one had the space black glass back, but still had the shiny chrome sides. Hmm. I don't know. But really? there is, and there is, uh, again, this is not an original observation. I'm pretty sure every review I read today mentioned it in some way, but the, the shiny sides really does harken back to the original iPhone 10 years ago, which had yeah. like that sort of chrome border around the display. Yeah, I, I, I love the, I love the feel of it. I love the look of it. I think mostly, I, I, as much as I love, I and I've said before, I love the big phone. I don't love the big phone. I love the big screen. Mm -hmm. And this, I have an even bigger screen, right? But a smaller phone. So you know, it feels more comfortable to carry around. It feels more comfortable to use. But you actually have more viewing yeah. uh, real estate. So I'm I'm not a bezel hater. I'm I was yeah, you know not I was not of the opinion that it was a disaster for Apple to stick with the same tried and true design with the iPhone seven last year. Um, but that you know, and again, and if this phone just happened to you know, let's say things had slipped, and and the only new phones that Apple had shipped this year were the iPhone eight and eight plus, I don't think that would have been a disaster. Those are they're great phones, and they look fine. Yes, they are. Yeah. But using this phone for a day, you really do see how what wasted space the chin and forehead are. 
Like, I don't think it's terrible. I don't, you know, it's, it, I guess maybe the more I use this, the more dated that might look, but it, it is wasted space though. It really does. It, it, well, it's wasted space for what we have now, but you know, for the, for the technology that was put into that phone, uh, it's needed space. Yeah. You know, uh, I still, I mean, I love my, my iPhone eight plus. I think it's a great phone, but when I look at the chin and the forehead of that, and then look at this iPhone 10 with no chin and forehead, I think, wow, you know, that's a huge difference. It's a good display. It really is. And Apple, I'll bet that in your briefing, they mentioned the same thing. I think that it's almost a sore point with them within the company that this is not like an off the shelf Samsung component. It's not like, uh, you know, they just went in and said to Samsung, well, give us, you know, give us what, you know, this type, you know, here's, here's the OLED displays you guys make. Give us one of the model 5A27, whatever, and right. cut, cut to this size, blah, blah, blah. This is a totally custom design by Apple. Apple designed the display. Samsung just makes it. But it's unlike anything that it's unlike the OLED display in any Samsung product because it's not a Samsung design. Yeah. And where it manifests itself to me is that the colors look right. Like the app icons don't look, they don't have that OLED oversaturated look. And I know that like OLED displays have gotten a lot better across the board in recent years, but I still look at, at like high end, some high end flagship Android phones, like the ones, especially the ones from the, uh, Korean companies like uh, Samsung and LG. And to me, they look too saturated. And I think, I don't even think it's like yeah. a technical, I don't think it's that they are inferior. I think it's by on purpose that they are, they're made to pop because for some people, some people like that oversaturated look, you know, and, and it like, uh, I was just talking about it on the show uh, last week with Renee, uh, that Google is taking some flack with the pixels because Google has set their color balance more towards like an iPhone that's not oversaturated. And there's some people in the Google ecosystem who are so used to that or just genuinely do prefer it that they think that the pixels look washed out. Whereas I think the pixels look like finally an Android phone with good color. I have yeah. absolutely one day in. I have absolutely no reservations whatsoever about the color reproduction on this phone. No, none. I mean, everything the looks good. Photos is, look good. Apps look good. Dark Movies. apps. Dark apps like the watch, Apple Watch app look great. Light apps, yep. you know, with a white background like Mail, look great. There's no weird. You you do get a, a blue. Panzerina wrote about this, I think. But you, you, if you hold it at a really oblique angle, like almost like you're looking at it from the side, there is a slight blue shift that you don't get with an LED screen. But it's only at. It's not like slightly off angle. It's like you know, truly an oblique angle. Yeah. Like so oblique that you couldn't really use the phone that. from that perspective anyway. So who cares? Right. Yeah. Uh, I guess the big mm. unknown is you know because OLED famously compared to LED, one of the downsides is that OLED is way more susceptible to burn in and have like uh, image retention type problems. Typically, after the phone or whatever the device is, phone, TV, whatever, is in use for a long time. Now, Google got in some trouble because their their new Pixel XL 
to start suffering this about six days in, uh, <laughs> which is not good. Not good. Not uh, good. This is the sort of thing, though, that even like a full week long review, you you can't tell. You know, there's no way. And I, I even asked Apple about it. Like, how, how do you how do you simulate like you know? And they said that they the, their answer was that they put a lot of work into mitigating burn in, and and they're well, well aware I would of it. They would spend a lot of time. I was like, well, how do you simulate that though? I was like, you know, like our our IKEA used to have a uh, a robotic butt. They're in the chair department, there's like a, a a chair that IKEA. So they don't have it at our IKEA anymore. But I used to love it, and they had in glass, like plexiglass encased, one of their chairs, and they show how they tested it. And they had this robot butt that would just sit in the chair, get up, sit in the chair, and there was like a machine calibrating it to say that it was like simulating somebody who weighs 185 pounds. And there was a counter that incremented every time every time this robot wow. butt sat in the chair. Uh, so how do you test a chair? Well, you actually have a robot butt sit in the chair 10,000 times or however many times I got up to. How do you simulate uh, a year worth of uh, OLED use? And Apple wouldn't answer. <laughs> well, they were like, we've, yeah. we've worked it. Like, the answer was we secret sauce. <laughs> I, I have no doubt that they did. I mean, they're, they're very good at that. So... I love trying we'll to get see. them to answer a question, even off the record. Uh, you know, is there anything that you'll tell me that isn't one of your talking points? And the answer is usually never. Yeah. <laughs> but we shall well, see. It's that's, obviously that's one of why the, they have talking points. Do you think? I, I know that with the iPhone eight, they improved the audio output from the speakers. Uh, yes. Who was I just listening to? I think it might have been Marco on ATP. But somebody whose podcast I listened to was saying about how uh, they've started listening to, like when they're in the kitchen, they won't even bother putting headphones or AirPods in. They'll just play play the uh, podcast through the speaker like you're using like a little portable radio. And it's actually gotten yeah. useful. Like, like if you've it calibrated has. your expectations for how the speaker sounds based on like the original iPhone and the 3GS and the iPhone 4, and you just think it sounds really tinny... And then it's like they, you know, again, it's still a phone. It's not like magically going to sound like a boombox, but it's really pretty useful. I find that this phone, I was listening to to some stuff this morning, just, you know, again, just to try it. And I don't know if it's any louder than the iPhone 8, but it's certainly louder than iPhones in the past were. It's, um, it's not just that it's loud, it's clear. Mm. So, you know, you can have loud and sound distorted and, and kind of awful. Um, the speakers in the iPhone 8 and the 10 are just really good. I think they're really good. I listen to music all the time uh, without my headphones on, just using the iPhone. And sometimes I'll use my Mac. Most of the time, I'll use the iPhone because then if I get up and, uh, you know, I have a couple of great stations that I listen to. If I get up and, and do go for a walk or whatever, I'll just throw my, my headphones on. Or if I go in the car, I just... I keep it playing all the time. Hmm. And when I'm at home, I just play through the iPhone speakers and it's, it's great. Hmm. Uh, I think, I, I, I think big picture, it's so interesting to me, the strategy Apple has taken with the iPhone eight compared to the iPhone 10, where the iPhone eight is completely familiar 
I mean, sure, it looks as a new glass industrial design on the back, and it does the wireless charging now. But that's just in addition to everything that came before it. Like, if you're familiar with any iPhone, I would say from around the 5S forward, right? 5S, I think, was the first mm -hmm. one with Touch ID. If, the, if your iPhone is a 5S, a 6, 6S, 7, and you get an iPhone 8, you're going to be completely familiar with it. You know how Touch ID works. It, right. The basic proportions are the same. Uh, you know to swipe up from the bottom to get control center. It, 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 it's familiar it's across the, the board. And there's so many little things that they changed in iPhone 10 all at once that... that and to me, the box that I think Apple is is trying to get out of with the iPhone 10 is that when you have a super successful technology product, that familiarity and the it, it, when it's so popular that the truly mass market, you know, hundreds of millions of just regular people who aren't nerds and are not technology enthusiasts that use and depend on your product every day, you break that familiarity at your own risk. Right, And I think we've seen that with Microsoft over the years, where Microsoft, I think, has bent over backwards in so many ways to maintain uh, compatibility with, you know, like just old versions of DOS and stuff like that. You know, like, the, you know, they were limited to the goofy three-character file extensions for so much longer than they had to be for technical reasons just because, they, you know, they wanted to maintain compatibility with old software. Um and I kind of feel like the iPhone 10 in, in a lot of these little decisions, it's, it's things that I bet Apple has been wanting to do for a while, but felt like they couldn't because they don't want to break familiarity. And now you can go in an Apple store. And if you're the type of person who wants an iPhone that seems totally familiar to you, you can get the iPhone 8 and you're not really settling for like a, a second tier phone, you know, it's a very no. different, it's a very different strategy than when they had the 5C a couple years ago, which was sort of like year old tech and a plastic case. Like this thing gets the, it gets the, it's, it's almost amazing how much of the, how many of the features the iPhone 8 gets that the iPhone 10 has. Well, and what people and have familiar. to remember, I, I just, I, I'll bet, right. I would just love to hear from, from Apple store people after these are both out there, just how many regular people come in and, and gravitate towards the eight, not because they don't want to pay an extra 200 bucks, but because they, they don't want something that's unfamiliar. Well, and, and let's not forget that the eight has a lot of updated components as well. So it's not like you're getting, you know, a seven with a new name, right? No, it has these, the A11 are, bionic chip. It has the, you know, yeah. I mean, these are powerful, powerful phones. Right. The 8 Plus um, has the portrait mode with all the fancy new lighting effects, you know? Yes. And I, I, I love the 8 Plus. I really do. And the only reason that, you know, I keep talking about the, the Plus. The only reason that I, I use the Plus is because of my eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, I have, I have trouble uh, seeing now. I need glasses to, to read things, and I, I boost up the... Um, uh, the the font size yeah. and all that kind of stuff on the on the lower ones, but it it's so bad sometimes now that it's like I'm I'm I get two letters a line or something, right. you know. Right. So uh, so I I use the the plus. So that's what I that's what I talk about a lot because it's I use, one of my but, favorite. It's one of my favorite things about all of iOS is the dynamic type size thing. Yeah, and it's not just because I, I use it too. I need it at least a couple of click. I, I think I'm like two clicks above default but I probably should go to three, but I'm fighting it. Um, 
But the thing that I love it, just, about just it, do it, the thing that I love about it is that not just that it's there. I mean, first and foremost, it's great that it's there because if you can't read, that's a problem. And if you can read, it makes all the difference in the world. But the thing I love about it is that when you turn it up, it doesn't look like you're using a weird accessibility mode. Like it, it, so many ways, it, it, the way software used to be written in the old days was everything was just right down to the pixel. You know, it was not... It, you couldn't really, but you know, if you'd bump the font size up one point, everything would, all the layout would break, right? Right. And so you might have a mode like this on your software, but it would look janky. You know, it would look like you're using a special mode for people with bad eyes. Whereas you can turn the dynamic type up a, a, lar a lar large amount and it still looks like a, a, a properly written app and all of Apple's apps support it. And most third party apps do too. They just yes. look fine. They look great. It looks like that's the way it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be bigger yeah. type. And I, I just appreciate that so much because it would annoy me if if I needed it to read, but made the OS look janky. Yeah, and and you know, to your point, most developers are supporting that uh, and have for for a number of years. So if you're, um, you know, if you need that that extra big type like you and I, although you know you've got to go. Just jack it up there, John. Just <laughs> stop fighting it. Just do it. Uh, you know, I have mine jacked up, and all of my things look great. All my apps look fine. Everything looks fine. I can, you know, actually, if I hold the phone away a bit, I can see if I need to, like a text message or something. But if I'm actually going to read an email or something like that, I always have my glasses on the on, on my t-shirt collar under my beard so I, i'll just pull those out and put them on and it's fine um let me see here what else do i got so what about with control center in the top right how are you finding that reachability wise i know that's a question a lot of people have because if people tend to hold the phone towards the bottom and therefore control yeah. center is your thumb is already there so the old style of swiping up from the bottom to get control center it's it literally moved all the as far away as it possibly could from where it was yeah right. uh, so here's here's the problem with me and we talked about earlier i never used control center that much so hmm. i as i started to use it a bit more recently um I I just reach up. I'm trying to, to think now because I, I have been going in there, uh, you know, yesterday too when I got this phone. I've just been using my, my the index finger of my other hand. Hmm. I yeah, just reach up and pull, uh, pull control know, center down. Yeah, it's like I've been trying to think about it, and it's just one of those things that's so hard with just one day. But so far, I haven't really been annoyed by it. But I also noticed that a lot of the time I'm already using the phone with two hands. And so it, it doesn't matter. I think for some people who who rely on it one-handed, they're going to be a little annoyed. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. I, I just, it's not one of those things that I use a lot. So I'm trying to, what if I had to reach up there to, to go to the home? Yeah. You know, then maybe I would be annoyed with that. Yeah. Um, but. True Tone yeah, is it, great. It, it doesn't bother me. I love True Tone. So my. True, I want I want True Tone in my eyes. So my last uh, six weeks of iPhone usage were whenever it was in mid-September when we got the review units for the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus. I spent most of my time with the iPhone 8, some time with the iPhone 8 Plus. Both of those have true tone, and I really liked it. 
um, and I wrote my review and used them a bit more. Um, but then I went back to my personal iPhone 7 and I noticed it and it was like, eh, you know, I wish I, I, I missed True Tone. Now, <laughs> but then, you know, that was like, you know, about four weeks, three, four weeks of that. And then now back to True Tone again, it's like, man, I, I am never not using True Tone again. Like on the train last night, on the way home from New York, I had both phones out, you know, while I was, I needed both phones. And it's like side by side in the, the harsh, well, not really harsh lighting, but the, the, it's a weird color on the Amtrak train. Uh, it, it just, it's like night and day. It's like the iPhone 10 looks to me normal and the iPhone, my iPhone 7 looked so blue. It was weird. It was crazy. I love this feature. I, it, it's, it's hard to explain to people how good True Tone is just for, for reading, just yeah. for looking at your iPhone. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but when, you know, when I travel, I'm on uh, a train or a plane or, you know, waiting at a gate, I'll, I'll read a lot of uh, news websites, you know, what's going on. And you notice it when you don't have it. When it when your your phone is hard to read, then you notice that strain mm-hmm. of of trying to read. But with True Tone, it really helps because it's it's not it, it's not it's so subtle, mm-hmm. you know, in what it does, but so helpful in what it does. So mm-hmm. I think everything should have True Tone. Uh, I think the last item on my list here is using unupdated apps meaning third-party mm. apps or even first-party because some of Apple's own apps from the App Store, like the uh, the Apple Store app, have not been updated yet for the iPhone X screen. Uh, I haven't spent much time with them because a lot of the apps, even like TweetBot and some of the third-party apps I use, have already been updated. Um, yeah. It's, it is weird. Uh I mean, effectively, it just sort of letterboxes it with a black bar at the top and bottom. And it really just, it doesn't look bad, though. Like the way that in past past transitions like this, when you had to use, like when you got first got an iPhone 4 and you'd use an app that didn't have retina graphics, it looked like total garbage. Like really just, like like the the, just the worst looking thing ever. Uh, when the iPhone 5 came out and the screen changed from three and a half to four inches and they would letterbox the apps, they looked terrible because it, it just looked like they were squished and there was so much dead space at the top and bottom. Um, I would say this is the least objectionable. When you when you open, an, uh, of those transitions, when you open an unupdated app, it just looks like an older, like, like an iPhone 8. Yeah. You know, it's not a ridiculous... Yeah, it's not squished. It's not stretched. It's not you know pixelated. It's not anything. It's yep. just an app. Yeah, you do, and you have so, a chin, you have a chin, black chin and forehead. Right. So you can tell right away that okay, this this app isn't optimized for uh, iPhone ten, but developers have also over the years gotten very good and very quick at updating their apps for. Uh, uh, new devices yeah. and new screens, and and uh, <clears throat> you've been one of the best ones uh, before these the new screens and everything uh, are released at giving people an idea of okay, here's here's what's 
going to happen. Here's what it's going to look like. Hmm. Uh, you know, you start getting into all that math and stuff that you know, right, right. resolution. Um, <laughs> but that's really helpful for people to, right. to understand what's going to happen and what needs to change. So, um, but I, I find developers are, are really quick to update that stuff. As a yeah. matter of fact, I've got a, a couple of updates uh, uh, yesterday and today of apps that were updated for uh, iPhone 10. Hmm. Yeah, I, so, I, I I would expect that by Friday. I'll, I'll bet every single day of the week from now till Friday, the App Store, you know, your, your notification badge on the App Store app is going to be like 20 every time you go to yeah. load because <laughs> everybody is submitting their things. And Apple Apple takes pride in it. Apple loves to to, to see people. And again, it, it speaks to... Uh, it's it's a culture within Apple to not let things stagnate. I mean, look at how they right. broke compatibility with 32-bit apps with iOS 11. Like that's the sort of thing that Microsoft would never do, at least not in the old days, right? Like they 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 kept backwards compatibility with old side. And there's pros and cons to both strategies. Like I'm not sitting here yeah. saying that Apple's strategy is always the best. There's a couple of old apps that I really had of great fondness for that it's a little sad that I can't even run them anymore on iOS yep, 11. I um, but I understand that that's progress and that the, the whole system runs better if they don't even have 32-bit libraries to load. If all they have to do is run, load one set of o OS libraries, there's an efficiency win. And, you know, yep. so it's, it's, you know. And I'm all for that, to be yeah. honest. I, I, I think that you need to keep moving forward in in order to keep pushing the yeah. platform forward. And there are developers out there that are using, you know, in the year that uh, that an iOS is released, developers are pushing the limits of that uh, platform by the end of the year, yeah. you know, and then Apple releases something new and gives them a bunch more headroom and, you know, developers plow in. But if you keep adding backward compatibility into that, then, you know, you're, you're holding yourself back. Yeah. Well, so what's your bottom line? I don't that 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 scratches off all of the iPhone 10 related uh, things for me. Well, bottom line is that for me, um, Face ID works a hell of a lot better than what I thought it would. Um, I I love the size versus uh, screen size dimensions. You know. Uh, smaller size phone bigger screen yep. it's it's uh, to me a win-win it's huge uh love that there's nothing that i actually hate about the phone i said in the thing about the notch i don't notice the notch uh if i stare at it then yes okay i i notice it but i look at the screen and and for the content that's on the screen so the notch doesn't bother me yeah um I see how they work. There's with nothing it that you I know really I mean? dislike. And I th I think the difference is that if you're just staring at screenshots and the screenshots show the notch, it looks ridiculous, right? And yeah. it's like, how could Apple ever approve this? But I feel like the way that it happened, and I know that this is a big thing within Apple, is to make real prototypes. You don't just look at printouts on a piece of paper of what the interface looks like. You've got to run it on the real device. So if it's an iPhone app, you know, I, if Federighi had an interesting comment in the Panzerino article where where they were their, their first simulations of the software were of the iPhone 10 were running on an iPad. 
because they didn't have hardware yet to run it on and the, they needed an iPad to get something big enough to have this big, tall, skinny, you know, retina display. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was as real as they could possibly make it, right? So the realest they could get at that point was to run it on an iPad. But then as soon as they could run it on a real hardware, they ran it on real hardware, right? And, yeah. and um, I think once they, you know, they knew that they had this sensor package. Here's the design. Now, do we want to put black pixels in the corners to sort of disguise it? Or, um, which is really, that's the look you get when you run an unupdated un- un- app, Right. Correct. Uh, or do we want to embrace it? And I feel like once you're using it on a real device and you see what it looks like when they embrace the notch, it, it really does. It, it doesn't make the notch look good to me, it, but it really does. You just forget about it. You really do. I know yeah. that that's what Apple has told us on and off the record. Uh, but I, in one day, I have found that that is true. I, it really is true. And that's just such a relief your, to me because if... It, <laughs> If it was wow. like, if if it was like annoying me every moment of every day, I'd, it might be a problem. Yeah. Is there anything in your your day of using it that you really dislike about the ten? That's a good question. I'm going to keep you in suspense, and I'm going to thank our third. <laughs> I'm going to thank our third and final sponsor. It's our good friends at Casper. Casper is the sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience, one night at a time. At Casper, mattresses are perfectly designed for humans, engineered to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. So comfortable, so nice. You spend one-third of your life sleeping. I spend more than a third of my life sleeping, but most people spend a third. So you should be comfortable. I mean, I know it's a canard. It's, it's a cliche that you should spend money on a nice mattress because you spend a third of your life in bed. But really, you, you do. So why not get a good mattress? Or if you have a good mattress but it's old, why not replace it with a brand new one? Get something nice. Treat yourself. Casper mattresses provide all the support the human body needs in all the right places. Uh, they combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep service with the right amount of both sink and bounce. And the thing that I like about this brand is that they don't make it hard to buy a mattress. You don't have to choose between seven different mattress styles. You just pick a size, get the size that your bed, you know, whatever size bed you have, get that size Casper mattress. And then that's it. You get, you're just getting a Casper mattress. That's all you have to do. Just pick a size. That is so fantastic. Because I, uh, buying a mattress from like these traditional companies, it's confusing it's all these terms you don't even know and it's here's one that's nine hundred dollars there's another one that's nine hundred dollars well what's the difference they're the same price but one's got like a totally different level of firmness or whatever nonsense what a waste of time uh anyway casper's prices are great because they cut out the middleman they sell directly to the consumer they make the mattresses they engineer the mattresses they make the mattresses and then they ship them to you no hassle returns if you're not completely satisfied. You get like a, a hundred nights to sleep in the thing. And if you don't like it, you just click a couple buttons on the website and a truck shows up the next day. And they take your mattress away and they give you all your money back. Uh, delivered right to your door in a very small, how in the world did they do that sized box with free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. In the U.S. and Canada, you get free shipping and free returns. Where do you go to find out more? Go to casper.com slash the talk show casper.com slash the talk show and you can be certain of your purchase with their 100 night risk-free sleep on it trial my thanks to them 
So is there anything I do not like about the iPhone 10? I'll tell you, no, not, not so far. I, I'm not completely sold on the home button thing. Because, but I really do at this point. I'm not willing to say I don't like it either. I just feel like I'm in the unfamiliar. I'm in the. I I, I just have this ten year old habit of t- stabbing my finger at the bottom of the phone to click a button, and there's nothing to click. And I it it, it I, I you know I just do it without thinking. And when I think about it, it's easy. Uh, yeah, I think that, like I said earlier, I think I'm so hyper aware with it. That cannot cannot possibly say that, that it, with any judgment though in 24 hours. I think it's going to be fine. And and, right. and and it fits with what I've been told by other people who've used this thing for a while, that, yeah, within a week, you just start swiping up on all your iPhones and you're disappointed when they don't work. <laughs> well, you remember, I remember very vividly because, you know, t- these, these technologies roll out one device at a time. And there, right. might, there might be a time three years from now when we're using uh, iPads with Face ID and MacBooks or i iBooks or uh, iMacs with Touch ID, Touch I mean Face ID. Face ID would be so great in an iMac. It, it totally, you know, it, how do you put a Touch ID sensor on it on an iMac when the keyboard isn't connected to the computer? How do you trust that wireless connection? Guess what? Just skip it. Don't even use Touch ID and put a Face ID sensor package in the iMac Pro. That would be so fantastic. That'd be great. Um, but it, it in the meantime, when it's only on one device, when when the technology is good and the design is right, and it be, it's like, oh yeah, this is the way it should be. I remember very vividly for like a year, every time I go to use an iPad, I would just put my thumb on the on the home button and expect it to unlock and think that yes. it's broken when it doesn't. And every single time, every time I do it, I would, and then I'd realize, oh, it doesn't have Touch ID yet. So I think that Face ID is going to be like that. I agree, and, I, and the, that's just. It's just habit. All right. Why am I touching this it's like just, a, touching this button like yeah. an animal? Yeah. Uh, the camera is great. I mean, it, this is that's one of those areas where where it is slightly better than the iPhone eight plus camera because the the wide angle camera is exactly the same and the telephoto camera is it's half a stop faster. It's f two point four instead of f two point eight. Which, if you don't know camera technology, all it means is that it can take a good picture in half the light. That you know, like wherever the, the the minimum amount of light that the iPhone eight plus can take a picture with the two x lens, the iPhone ten can go half halfway that much light further to get a good picture, which is great. Uh, and it has image stabilization on the telephoto lens, which the iPhone eight plus doesn't have. But overall, the the camera on the iPhone eight is so great, and it's so it, it, equal to the iPhone ten. And and don't forget the front facing camera has portrait mode on the iPhone. Yeah, tank. yeah. I took a couple of those. I look, I look, I look okay. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, I did too. But I'm that, not. I, I think I'm that's the model. Sel- I'm not a big selfie taker. Uh, yeah. I do think, though. I know that the billions of people are, and I know that's a very popular art form on Instagram. I feel like the the portrait mode with the you know for the selfie camera is going to overwhelm Instagram. Uh, as soon as these things start rolling out into people's hands, agreed. But it 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 does work and it is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So I checked on the store there right now. If you went to the Apple Store dot com or store dot Apple com, whatever the hell you go to, uh, tried to buy an iPhone <laughs> ten right now, they're quoting five to six weeks delivery. So that would take you into like mid December. That's not bad though, because it was five to six weeks after the first day. Yeah. So, 
that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they're pretty confident about the ramp up. That's that is pretty good for a phone with an awful lot of pent up demand. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else. You know what I'm not a fan of? I am not a fan of wireless charging so far. Did you wind mm, up using yeah. that a lot? I'm going to try again. Uh, I I have it in a place where I can put it down and and wireless charge, but I whenever I guess it's just what I'm used to, but whenever I go to charge, I expect it to charge fast. And yeah, wireless yeah. charging is not fast. Right. I have I have a fast charger set up. Right. And my wireless charger was right beside it. So, you know, again, habit. If I had to taken my fast charger away, I probably would have used wireless charging more. Yeah. But my fast charger was right there and I would just plug it in and then by the time I realized just say, ah. Somebody somebody wrote to me uh, talking about this recently, and uh, I think I was in the context of me complaining that they still ship the the small charger with the iPhones instead mm-hmm. of the bigger one that charges faster. And uh, the thing that I didn't end, I, I called it like a nickel and dime move. And then a bunch of people wrote to me uh, and said, hey, you know what? I like the small charger because it fits everywhere. Or uh, like women can keep it in their purse and it doesn't take up, hardly takes up any space. I heard from people who like the way that the little charger uh, that ships with the iPhone, that the prongs don't fold in. So you never have to screw around with uh, bending the, you know, getting the prongs in or out. It just, it, you know, it's so much simpler. The prongs are so sturdy. And, you know, sometimes when you have another plug in an outlet, like you've got an outlet in the wall with only two plugs. But if you have a big plug into one, you don't have room for another big charger. And this one will always fit. So I've heard there's actually a lot of people who like the small charger. But then somebody else wrote and uh, somebody speculated that maybe Apple ships the small charger because it's better for the long-term health of your battery um, than using the fast charger. And I thought that was an interesting uh, question. So I asked Apple about that. And the answer was, you don't have to worry. They only support... Charging methods that are, and I asked also about wireless charging. Is wireless charging better for the battery? Worse for the battery? Is there, you know, and and the gist of it was uh, one of the reasons that like they it took them a while to get wireless charging is that they only support charging at uh, that they think is good for the long term health of the battery of your phone. So if they thought that right. like using if they thought that using your twenty nine watt MacBook charger to fast charge your phone. Um, if they thought that was going to be detrimental to the long-term health of your battery, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't support it. Yeah. Whether, whether people want to complain that, Oh, the iPhone still doesn't have fast charging or not, they wouldn't do it because they just want you to know that whatever they officially support is good for your phone. Yeah. So anyway, I had the, the I had the white Belkin key, key charger, chi charger, whatever they call this. Chi. Is that what it's called? Uh, with the iPhone 8, and I didn't like it. And Jason Snell had a, I, I loved it. He had a great review of the iPhone 8 this week. And I just, uh, part of it is thinking, because I already knew at the time that I read it that I wouldn't have an iPhone, I wouldn't be rushing to get an iPhone 10 review out uh, this morning. And, you know, looking, you know, making lemonade out of lemons, you know, it'd be nice to take my time with it. And I really liked the sort of six weeks with the iPhone 8 perspective that Jason put in his uh, 
in his review. But one of the points he made that I totally found myself nodding in agreement with was that he just was not that big a fan of wireless charging. And one of his points was what you said, it's slow. Uh, so if you are going to charge your phone, why not do it fast? And then he made a point, and I've seen it too, where at least with the Belkin one, you can get notifications that vibrate your phone and it vibrates off the sweet spot. And then all of a sudden it's not charging anymore. Like I, I absolutely, huh. I, I thought it was my mistake. I woke up the one morning when I was testing it and it was only, you know, it was only at like, my phone was at like 40%. And hadn't charged, and I thought, oh, I must have put it on the pad wrong, you know, to quote, paraphrase Steve Jobs, uh, I charged it wrong. (laughs) Uh, I'm convinced now that what happened was it vibrated off the sweet spot. So anyway, I've got the Mophie one now, which uh, people are saying is better, the black one. That's what I have, the Mophie one. Now, see, wireless charging to me is is as much a mindset as as it is about the technology. So... When I was putting it down on the wireless charger, my phone was always charging, Hmm. you know, because you put your phone down, I'm typing on my laptop and typing away and typing away. And then I pick my phone up for some reason, you know, go for a walk or do whatever. Then I come back and you put it on the wireless charger. But it's so it's always there. It's more of a convenience than anything. So when I remembered to do that, the convenience factor of wireless charging did work. Hmm. But... When if if I have a half an hour and I'm going out somewhere, it's going on the fast charger, right? You know, because I want as much I want to yeah. pile as much charge into that as I can get. So that that was the the dilemma for me. Well, a lot of it was just remembering to do that. So you know, I'll try that again with the iPhone 10. But what I'll do is take my fast charger away and put it somewhere else. Hey, you know what? I just figured out. I just figured out that my microphone is interfering with Face ID. Because I'm sitting here playing with this phone while we're talking, and Face ID, it, it's like it keeps asking me for my passcode, and I'm like, "What the hell? Why is it asking for my passcode?" And I realize it's because I have a big black microphone right in front of my face. Ah, see, well, how that's about it. That? That's the see. That's the type of thing you can't get in a 24-hour review. You got to use right. it for a week. You know what I mean? Anyway, I don't have anything more about it. I I, I, I like this product. I think that it is as good as advertised, and. Yeah. I think it's fascinating how many little changes Apple has made to the experience, both hardware and software, with this one phone. It is, it, it's for the most popular product the company has ever made, and one of the most popular products any company has ever made in the world. It is a big change, but I think it's yes, for the, I, I do think it's for the better. I, I, I have no complaints so far, but you know, it's been an, a day and a half. So, but there's nothing that I've seen so far that would uh, would give me any pause. I always say, when in doubt, I know that people think that everybody who's got the word marketing in their name is a, a natural born liar, and they're you know try to sell you shit and t- tell you it's a, a filet mignon. Uh, it, it, Apple traditionally, it, you know, trust but verify. Look into it. Don't just take them at their word. But it. it for the most part, when they tell you something, it, they really mean it. And so, like, when Tim Cook billed this as, this is the future of the iPhone, this is, you know, the way it's going, I, I after a day with it, I think it, I think it, it adds up. And I think that all these little things, like moving control center and getting rid of the, I mean, getting rid of the home button is obviously the biggest change. It, it's, yeah. it's the, it was the central, you know, the only two main controls of an iPhone were the touchscreen and the home button, and they got rid of one of them. 
right? You could use an iPhone with broken volume buttons. You could use an iPhone if the mute switch breaks, but you couldn't use an iPhone without a home button unless you turned on that goofy on-screen home button thing that the, the people in China all use. Um, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, even without a home button, you need to fake it. And that's just, yeah. it was not the real iPhone experience using that. And now they've gotten rid of it. And it's, it's you know, hard to overstate what, how fundamental a change that is. But I think that I think they have a good idea here. Yeah, so do I. All right, Jim. Uh, everybody can read your fine work on a daily basis at uh, The Loop. That's loopinsight.com. And then on Twitter, they can read your terrible insights at uh, Jay da- <laughs> at, at Jay Dalrymple. <laughs> 